0: Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo4j and here I am again recording another Graphistania podcast and this time I have two lovely gentlemen on the other side of this Skype call. One is Andy Robbins and the other is Rohan Berserker. and these guys have been on my radar for a very long time because they have been developing some fascinating stuff around Neo4j. Welcome Andy, welcome Rohan.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, guys, uh, I've been a, a fan of your work for a long time, but I'd love for uh, love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. Um, maybe Andy, you can start first.
2: Sure, yeah, my name is Andy Robbins. My official title is adversary resilience lead at Specter Ops, uh, which is a US-based uh, information security consultancy specializing in pen testing, red teaming, and other uh, adversarial work. Uh, I come from a pen test heavy background, uh, initially cutting my teeth on uh, breaking into banks and credit unions and trying to figure out how to steal money from them, which was a lot of fun. And uh, then before that, just basic uh, IT break-fix career, uh, which led me
0: here. Very cool. What about you, Rohan?
1: Uh, Well, my name's Rohan Mazurker, and I'm Andrews Lackey. Uh, That's how I'm going to going to put it. He's, <laughs> I, he, he's the adversary resilience lead. I'm just an adversary resilience operator. Um, my background, pretty much, I've only been in the industry about three years and uh, I started just doing uh, just generic pen testing on anything and everything that I could. Uh, so I, I'm not, not quite as uh, in-depth as Andy over here.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, but you guys, I've been following your work mostly around the Bloodhound tool, which you absolutely have to tell us a little bit more about. And there's a third Musketeer, right? That that is not on this call. That was part of the development of Bloodhound, but maybe you can introduce that third Musketeer and Bloodhound in the in the same go.
2: Yeah. So first, let me let me talk about Will Schroeder, uh, the the third leg of of the Bloodhound team. Uh, Will has been doing uh, red teaming and then um, offensive engineering uh, for a long time. Uh, Will is very well known in our industry for a lot of the tools that he has put out, uh, namely uh, Power View, which is now part of PowerSploit, uh, the Empire uh, uh, tool set, uh, which he co-created with uh, Matt Nelson and Justin Warner, uh, and then, of course, Bloodhound as well. Will Will played... uh, Play and continues to play a critical part uh, in the v- development of Bloodhound. Uh, PowerView, which Will is, is bo- best known for, is an Active Directory situational awareness uh, framework. It uses PowerShell uh, V2 compliant commandlets to gather information from Active Directory that an attacker can use to figure out kind of the lay of the land. So who are the local admins some places? Where are people logged on? Uh, uh, What are the uh, security group memberships? Uh, What are the uh, access control entries on securable objects? All of this critical information uh, that Will put and continues to put a lot of really hard work into uh, uh, into creating. Uh, So the Bloodhound project uh, really wouldn't exist without Will's work. Uh, with Power View in particular. Um, and so, let me talk a little bit about uh, Bloodhound itself, what it is, why we created it. So, great. Rohan Rohan and I, uh, and Will, and the rest of our team, uh, we do penetration testing, red teaming, and we also do uh, defensive uh, work in the form of hunt operations. But with pen testing and red teaming in particular, Uh, Power View really changed the game as far as what kind of insight we have into Active Directory, uh, into Windows systems that are joined to Active Directory, etc. So we could build out a map of domain trusts, we can figure out where people are logged on, we can figure out the security memberships, and we can do all of this by default with uh, just domain user level privileges. So, we don't need any kind of privileged access to gather all that information. Now, as penetration testers, we found ourselves in a very common pattern where we would land on a system, say, through a phishing attack. And the user that we land as, or the user who's using that computer that we land on, has some kind of privilege, like they're a local admin somewhere, or they you know maybe they have local admin rights on their own system but if we can get local admin rights on a system where somebody else is logged on we can use built-in windows functionality to get access to that other system and have our have our trojan or our rat or whatever you want to call it zombie agent on that other system and then through either uh, token impersonation or token theft or through what I always call the miracle of memecats, we can just get the, the plain text password for that user that's on that other system, and then we kind of start this process of uh, what's called a derivative local admin attack or an identity snowball attack, where we go to we go to a system, we steal someone's password, and then now we have more or a wider scope of systems that we now have admin rights to, and so we would go through this process of repeating this, you know over and over and over until finally we have local admin rights on a system where a domain admin is logged on okay. now
0: so that's like hopping from one machine to a machine to a user to a machine and then you're hopping along the network is that is that is that a fair statement yeah. yeah
2: yeah that's exactly right yeah we're we're building out and we're discovering these attack paths as we discover you know who's logged on in different machines and and as we discover what local admin rights our new credentials give us uh, in the network.
0: So if I understand you correctly Andy, so Bloodhound is like a a, a set of tools that do this analysis for you and it it, it like finds this web of attack paths and and, and it allows you to to, to kind of uh, structure it and analyze it? Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. So PowerView gave us the ability to collect all that information and then uh, we all kind of, we fantasized about some kind of solution that would analyze that data for us and tell us exactly what to do to get domain admin level rights. And so I was having lunch one day with my friend, Sam Briesmeister, and I'm explaining the problem to him. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is graph theory 101 stuff. This is like no day one, <laughs> computer science. So he's like, I got you. and he kind of gives me a crash course in graph theory. And then that's when Rohan and I, uh, we took a step back, we said, all right, this looks like a really good solution. Let's figure out what graph technology, what, what, what graph rendering framework or library we want to use, and let's actually build this out. And the end result was Bloodhound, which exactly as you said, it, it gives a pen tester a very simple interface and a very simple data collection methodology that they just put all the data into Bloodhound. They say, give me a path from this computer to domain admins or from anywhere to anywhere else. And if that path exists, then the Bloodhound interface will present it to the user. So that process that we used to you know, spend days or sometimes even weeks uh, doing manually, we can now do in, in you know minutes with data collection and running the queries through uh, Neo4j.
0: And, and that way, the, the you know, I, I, I guess uh, system administrators, Microsoft system administrators, they can also, you know, come up with better defense strategies, right?
2: Definitely, yeah. They can they can do the same thing we're doing and find all those attack paths. And then instead of you know abusing them, they can start to shut them down, or they can at least have a chance at understanding the the very complex nature of security group nestings and and local admin privileges in Active Directory.
0: I saw this one quote in one of your presentations, Andy, by John Lambert, uh, the, the Microsoft uh, guy. Uh, defenders think in lists, attackers think in graphs, and as long as this is true, attackers will win. <laughs> right? That's it, yeah. right?
2: Definitely. Yeah, I, think I, I think I heard Rohan was going to say something.
1: No, I was just laughing. That's her,
0: one of <laughs> our favorite quotes. Uh, it's a fantastic yeah, that quote.
2: quote yeah. It, it finds its way into all of our talks and then now into uh, our very first podcast too <laughs> okay,
0: fantastic hey guys and, and so um, the second question I, I kind of always ask people is you know well why graphs you know why did why did you want to use a graph for, for, for solving this was it really just the fact that you know you were trying to solve something that was taking weeks and you thought it was going to be a, so much simpler or what was the what was the uh, What was the main attraction for you guys
1: uh i I think i would say that uh we we considered a lot of different solutions to the problem and out of everything we looked at uh graphs definitely fit the bill better than anything else um i mean the speed at which you can do analysis on graphs just blows away almost anything else that we could find Um, i mean not to mention they're really fun to look at and they They demonstrate concepts in a way that we never could properly explain before. Um, Andy was talking earlier about how we jump from system to system to system, and one of the hardest uh, things we had to deal with was during our client outbriefs, explaining to clients exactly what we were talking about when we were talking about going from one node to another node. Um, Having a graph that we can show them and say, like, this is the path we took. We went from this user to this computer to this group and so on and so forth. It makes the information a lot easier to digest, not only for us, but for our clients as well. Um, I I don't think there's anything that would have given us the same impact as using graphs like we do with uh, Neo4j right now
0: super so so it's it's a combination of you know just a really good fit for the model for the graph model i guess and at the same time also being able to query it so quickly that you can actually do a lot more analysis on it i guess
1: yep absolutely
0: yeah very very cool I mean, this is a topic that I told you guys about this earlier. This is a topic that's so dear to my heart because I spent 10 years uh, trying to convince people to cl- clean up their active directories. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it feels like this is a great fit for, uh, for, for some of those tasks. Uh, so uh, I recommend people to take a look at it. So, guys, um, final topic here. You know, what's 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 next? You know, where do you guys uh, want to go next with Bloodhound, but also where do you see uh, the wonderful world world of graphs uh, um, heading and, and potentially intersecting with uh, with the security industry? You know, any any perspectives on that? I'll
1: let you well, take this one, Andy?
2: Yeah. So, I think in general, as far as the opportunity in information security, there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of very complex problems that still need to be solved in the information security space. You know, one of the one of the things I'm most proud of with Bloodhound is that we were able to take this very complex uh, problem or this very complex, you know, pen test or red team methodology and kind of democratize it, uh, so to say. So we we put that very well. We put that relatively advanced uh, 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 tactic into the hands of uh, you know, every pen tester that that is interested in looking at the tool. And so I think for me, what that, what that lets, um, what that lets the client organizations of those pen test firms do is really understand, uh, you know, how big of a problem that actually is. And so there are other opportunities I think that are ripe for the solving, uh, in particular, I think uh network segregation and isolation is a big one that that graphs can really help with uh i also think that like uh host-based privilege analysis uh can can also be very interesting to look at so some of our guys uh will schroeder again and uh lee christensen and matt nelson they started looking at host-based access control entries on securable objects and how those can be abused for uh persistence and then also privilege escalation I think adding a graph on top of that could uh, could really uh, uh, you know cause like a an awakening as far as you know uh, what the situation with with privileges from a local perspective look like in reality. Um, and then for the project, uh, there are, there are a lot of very exciting things that we have uh, planned for the project. Uh, most importantly, uh, again, uh, Will Schroeder uh, kind of led the effort as far as understanding how Active Directory group policy affects objects. So it's, it's, a, it's a fairly complex topic, maybe a little bit too complex, complex to talk about right now. But the bottom line is if if we as an attacker can get some kind of privilege over a group policy, then there is a thousand and one ways that we can push group policy down to the resultant objects, be they users or computers, to take over those objects. So, Will Will has already figured out the logic for how that all works uh, from an Active Directory perspective, and he also knows how to how to take all the information out of Active Directory and and put it into a format that can be ingested into Neo4j. And then Rohan and I are working on how to actually implement that into the interface. So, from a graph perspective, it gets very interesting because uh, you have. Uh, we have for the first time we're going to be putting in node properties and edge properties that that are going to require uh, uh, filtered uh, path uh, searching, uh, and so that'll be a that'll be a new uh, part of the project that uh, is a good challenge and I think it's going to be uh, very effective for finding new attack path opportunities in Active Directory. Uh, and then uh, I think I think Rohan should probably talk about uh, a recent. Uh, update to the project that, that's been kind of a game-changer, which is the new ingester. Uh, so I'll I'll let Rohan talk about that. Yeah,
1: yeah um, so one of the interesting problems we used to run into, and uh, this is a, this is no fault of uh, Will's whatsoever, this was kind of a limitation of uh, the language we were using. Um, as someone as familiar with PowerView as you are, you know that it's uh, basically just a big PowerShell script. And um, PowerShell, as wonderful of the language as it is has uh, has some limitations when it comes to threading and uh, concurrent operations that made it really difficult for us to scale our project effectively. Um, so recently uh, we took the we took the liberty of rewriting the entire collection into c-sharp where we could take advantage of uh, more threading and uh, a lot more... I guess uh, efficient methods of uh, data collection. So we we did this over the past uh, I want to say about three months, um, and as a result of it, uh, the scale at which we can collect data has increased significantly. Um, there were there were environments that were way too big for us to collect uh, with the PowerShell ingester. Um, we had people telling us that they had a they were running collection on a system with 80 gigs of RAM and they were running out um, <laughs> which is never a good thing to hear No. And yeah. with, the, with the new that sounds one like a um,
0: big big job that that rewrite actually
1: uh, it was it was it was a it was a big undertaking um, yeah. it was worth it in the end though uh, we've we've had people tell us they've done collection and in, in networks that have a million plus computers and uh, they've successfully completed it and uh, put all that data into Neo4j, which also handles it like a champ. So uh, that was, yeah, that was a really, really great uh, information to have. Um, Scale was always going to be an issue for us. So solving that issue was a pretty big deal, at least in our industry.
0: Super. Hey Rohan and Andy, uh, as you know, I try to keep these podcasts uh, a little bit digestible and and short, um, so I think we should probably wrap it up. Uh, but yeah uh, I'm also going to get this uh, podcast episode transcribed so we'll include a bunch of links to uh, any other material that you want to share with our community so um, that's definitely something we, we will do uh, for now although I'd like to thank you so much for uh, not just you know being on the podcast but also for the fantastic work on, on bloodhound I mean I know the security domain a little bit and I know how vulnerable many companies are because of their crappy ADs uh, so I, I think uh, I'd, like, I'd like to thank you guys um, on multiple fronts there um, but especially also for coming online and uh, and doing this recording with me I really appreciate it
2: thank you very much
0: thanks guys and uh, I'm ho- I hope to see you again at uh, one of the Neo4j conferences someday that would be great
2: yeah that'd be awesome we should also uh, we should thank uh, you know Michael Hunger and Max Demarzi and all the other Neo4j staff for supporting us. Uh, they gave us a lot of help in the Slack wow. channel and continue to help us through that and like Twitter and stuff. So thank you very much to to them.
0: Great. All right, guys, have a nice uh, rest of your day and a fantastic holiday. Right. Thanks you as well. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Rick.